Hi, everyone, and welcome to a new podcast that we're launching.、Uh, we don't have a great title for it yet, but now I'm going to call it our, our Executive Roundtable. And this is where we're going to sit down with members of our executive team here at Baywa and chat about what's happening in the industry, in our company, what they're reading and talking about with other executives, and, and most importantly, you know, what it all means for the business of solar contracting. So, today I'm joined by Danny Marino, head of supplier relations, and David Dunlap, VP of operations here at Baywa RE Solar Systems. Thank you both for joining me today. Hi, Tom. Here. Glad to be here. So, Today, we're going to look、uh, ahead a little bit to, to 2021, and we're going to talk about two topics. One is module supply dynamics for both resi and commercial. And we're also going to talk a little bit about policy, especially the extension of the ITC,、uh, Section 201 and 301 tariffs,、uh, and the implications there, but also what we might expect from the incoming Biden administration and what the impact might be on distributed generation. So, to kick us off, Daniel, let's talk module supply. Supply dynamics. What are you thinking about on the residential and commercial side? And maybe, you know, just for the first half of the year, we'll tackle that first. Well, sure. Start, starting with the demand side, we, we see strong demand in both residential utility, and I'd say nominally strong demand in commercial coming into 2021.、Um, Resi, we think we will grow maybe 20, 25%, and utility substantially, while CNI, I think, is closer to 10%. Year over year.、Um, in terms of module supply, we do see the first half being constrained to Q1, Q2.、Uh, most vendors are mostly sold out. That said, I do see pockets of supply becoming available, especially on the commercial side, as, as the ITC extension caused some EPCs and developers to push out orders andor even cancel them when they could. So we should see some pockets of supply. With price edging up while the industry continues to be constrained.、Mm-hmm. Uh, and what about the second half of 2021? What are you tracking there? Second half of 2021, I believe that we're going to see more capacity coming online、uh, from the manufacturers in Southeast Asia pretty significantly, but that's going to dovetail with, with high demand. I think all three segments by then will be in full swing. And, and so we have increased demand, increased supply.、Um, by that point, if I had to guess, I'd say some demand and supply match or, and or Perhaps a slight excess of supply. So I, I, do think, I do think we'll have a slight price pressure down come second half, perhaps by a couple cents. David, anything to add there? Do you want to jump in? Yeah, I think、um, particularly within the,、uh, the DG space, when we're thinking about resi and commercial and the impact for our core customers,、um, these big、um, gaps in the, in the supply demand probably affect us a little differently and they're a little bit more bifurcated or segmented. Right. And so when, when we have a, a, a bigger range of potential product categories or, or product nuance, maybe the way it shows up for, for those,、um, you know, within the DG segment is a little harder to, to lump all into the same bucket and say, now we have too much supply for the demand. So therefore, price should, should drop. Right.、Mm-hmm. Um, I think what Daniel said is absolutely true. I agree with it. And I think that、um, we're going to, in the second half, see more and more、um, offerings from all the manufacturers in terms of larger cell sizes, different form factors.、Um, you know, we, we've sort of been used to thinking 60 and 72 cell. We could be seeing 54 cell, 60 cell, 66 cell, 78 cell.、Um, and all of those could be half cut. There could be、um, triple cut by the end of the year.、Um, 
those nuances aren't going to just automatically equate to the same dollar per watt and the efficiencies and the amount of um, uh, watts generated per square foot of the module aren't going to necessarily show up as what we think of as sort of a standard X number of pennies per watt consistency from, from product to product. So I mm -hmm. think there's going to be some pressure there as well. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's, it's also important to add for the first half, like what, what's causing the, the shortage, right? Um, mm -hmm. I, I, number, number one, we mentioned demand. So that, that, that's, demand is high. Secondly, though, it's, it's materials constraints. So with modules, for example, we're talking about uh, polysilicon, but especially glass, for example. Glass is in a serious global shortage. Um, we're talking potentially even back sheets. And I'd say third, third logistics is, is a nightmare globally right now mm. and domestically, both in terms of the expense going up. We've seen costs double from Asia to here in the past month or two, but also in terms of orders getting held up and slowed down because of these constraints. So I think that we're at like peak worst in terms of that um, in the first half. And then I think that'll get gradually better in the second half which is partially why I think things will be smoother and costs might come down a little bit. Mm -hmm. David, any comment on that logistics side of things? What would you want to tell uh, our contractor partners about that? <laughs> Plan ahead, be patient, expect delays. I think that's, that's what it translates to for us. So um, yeah, the, the um, logistics on the Asia side, loading um, the, the boats and getting enough shipping containers and having them leave port on time there's a massive constraint and shortage and, and cost going up. And, and many of the manufacturers are seeing, well, I can get back to something that feels like an acceptable price if I wait a week or two weeks and book it on a different, different boat, right? And essentially that's planning ahead for them as well, right? If they, if they were used to being able to book, um, book their spot on a boat within a week, but now it's more constrained and allocated and whatever. Now they've got to book three weeks in advance in order to get the price they were hoping for or something close to it. So all of those things kind of stack, right? And so it's later leaving um, Asia. It, it, when it arrives to port here in the U.S., it's congested. Um, the COVID issues and, and um, uh, operational challenges um, make for longer turnaround time. So what used to be a two or three day to get through port and customs and clearance, everything is taking two weeks, three weeks. And so all of that just backs up. Um, mm -hmm. And what, yeah, what, what, I, what we see and what our contractors are seeing is, you know, a month or more delay compared to what we're used to. And I think mm -hmm. that doesn't go away in the first half. I think we just have to work to try and get in front of it, right? Reset our timetable expectations and, and plan further in advance. Mm-hmm. Daniel, does that sound right to you? Yeah, that, I think David nailed it. Um, I totally agree. And I just want to add one more piece of the context of coming to the coming into this year. Mm -hmm. um, we came off of a very strong year for solar in 2020, despite COVID and despite all the chaos. And we're coming into a year where, yes, we're still in that mode, but we're, we're, we see the light at the end of the tunnel. And, and so back to the demand side, I think there's a... We'll get to the policy in a second, but between the policy and the environment getting better, I, I, I'm pretty bullish from a demands per perspective. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thanks for that, that segue to the policy side. So yeah, let's pivot a little bit and talk about the passage of the ITC extension um, and what we might expect from the incoming Biden administration. Daniel, what's, what's your top line summary for the extension of the ITC? What are the implications there? I guess from my perspective, uh, between one, the passage of the solar ITC, 
and, and the energy R&D package, and two, President-elect Biden being very supportive of solar in general. And then third, we now have the Democratic in, in control of Senate and Congress. Those three things together equals way more upside for the solar industry than, than even the, the most optimistic among us had, had predicted prior a few months back, let's say, mm-hmm. I think I think what that means is probably not much impact, like really realistically short term, like as in 2021. But I think 2022 and beyond, it, this will really have material impact on our on our industry. And I mean, if, if we if we look at, at what Biden wants to accomplish, as in 100 percent clean electricity by 2035, that's a monster undertaking, which is going to require many orders of magnitude growth for our, our industry. Um, like wind also and other, other renewables, but solar is going to have to grow significantly to, to, to fill part of that vision. So I, I'm pretty excited about it. I think there, there's a lot to be optimistic about. It's going to, all this momentum will, will pull in capital, pull in innovation, pull in good people into solar. And I think that's going to, to lower soft costs, lower hard costs, and, and yeah, help our industry grow. Um, it's still, there's still some room for, I mean, the Democrats don't have a filibuster-proof majority, so it's not all going to be easy. But there's going to be momentum in the right direction. Would be mm-hmm. my David. Does that resonate with you? Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think that's right. Um, and you know, th- there there's going to be um, areas of challenge like we've we've already been facing in terms of actual adoption, practical adoption. Um, here in New Mexico, I was just sitting in on an industry um, call. This this um, this week, uh, really talking about that that the, um, the the state is behind where it needs to be in terms of the utility regulation and the the interconnection book, and and we're just not ready for where we're going. And we've got to get that updated here in the state. And the utility has to understand how smart inverters work and you know how to manage a lot more solar on the grid. That's just a reality, and we're not alone, right? California is at the front end of that, but many of the states across the country are are still kind of struggling with how do we get there? How do we how do we get our policy in place? And then how do we get the, the pragmatic operational side of it? Um, but but Daniel's right. It's all going in the right direction. And as long as we have that top-down um, sort of push for it, the money comes, the people come, the innovation comes, right? And we start to really get that scale. And that's what we need to, to, to push through. Mm-hmm. Let's stay with you, David. The, the 201 and 301 tariffs, um, I understand you've been fielding some questions on this topic. Um, what have you been talking to folks about? Any, any insight you can share there with us? Sure. The, the main thing that's coming up is just people are asking, you know, new administration, Biden administration, um, uh, does that mean the PV tariff goes away? Right. And I think at, at its core, and, and I'll preface this by saying, of course, I'm not a policy expert at all. I've not researched these nearly as well as I wish I had. But um, my understanding is that this at its core, it really is about a, um, a, a, a trade agreement, a trade position with China. Right. And um, what the Biden administration wants to do there. Another layer down from that is what all is is included in each of those different tariff structures, and solar is one of many hundreds and thousands of products, right, within each of those um, those tariff structures. So, um, because of that structure and because it's not something that's isolated to solar, we can't just say, "Oh, Biden pro pro solar," so therefore these will go away. Um, these tariffs have their own lifespan; they have their own review cycles. Um, I think it's um, it's reasonable to assume that. 
the focus is going to be on getting the administration up and going. He's got his first 100-day agenda. He's got to get his um, cabinet confirmations approved. And unfortunately, now we've got um, uh, the uh, impeachment trial to try and work into the same time frame as all these other issues. So even if it was going to be a priority for him to work on these tariffs, I don't think we're going to see a change um, you know, programmatically in the first six months. And I, I think that those review cycles could prevent it from actually having an impact on us in terms of price at all this year. So I think my message is, and my sort of long answer there is, let's assume the tariff cost structure stays in place for 2021 and act accordingly. If we get news that things are moving, right, the, the analysts and the policy experts will tell us what kind of timetables we can expect. But I don't think we should expect anything um, in 2021 in terms of dramatic shift or change. Mm-hmm. Daniel, do you, do you agree with that? I, yeah, I agree with that. And I, I would add, I, I think tariffs haven't done a fantastic job thus far of incentivizing domestic manufacturing. Um, but, but I would also add that uh, Biden has has not as far as i know has not made any official statements regarding the tariff i I think i think he's kept he's kept his positions close to the vest i think i i agree with david i think if if the tariffs do go away it it would take a while i don't think i don't know if we think where his head at is at politically Mm -hmm. on topic it's not it's not a given let's put it that way right Okay, well, those are my two, the two main topics that I wanted to tackle today. But you know, and I and I didn't prep you uh, either of you for this question, but I'm going to toss it at you anyway. So last year, you know, was it was quite a challenging year, uh, as we know, we all we saw unprecedented challenges. So if the story of of 2020 was challenges, 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 and let's face them, let's come together, let's figure it out. Let's, it, it was, it was astonishing the stories that we heard in the industry. Um, and, but as Daniel, as you pointed out, you know, it still was a very strong year uh, in solar. So if last year was all about challenges, you know, what's, what's the story that you both have in your minds for, for 2021? Daniel, why don't, why don't we go to you first? Yeah, that's a great question, Tom. It's, I, I think looking forward, I think we're going to see more change again, than we've ever seen before. I think we'll see more change faster than we've seen before. Um, we'll continue to have curveballs from a policy perspective. I mean, we have the, the Vietnam potential currency manipulation topic. Um, we have the China forced labor political football uh, as topics that could both impact solar sort of further out. Um, in terms of, David mentioned the, the complexity in the supply chain relative to form factor changes, that's gonna be difficult to manage. So, and then there's going to be just a lot more growth in the industry. And with that growth and change, uh, I, I think it's going to be tough to manage, but it's, it's all positive in, from my perspective, from a longer term point of view. David, growth and change. Is that the story for 2021? Absolutely. Growth and change. Um, yeah. I don't think the number of challenges uh, diminishes. The nature of them maybe will shift around a little bit. And with any luck, they won't feel quite so hopeless, right? Or um, out, as out of our control as, as COVID made us feel. Um, but I think um, the effect, the impact of that was was all those those same sort of um, operational issues or policy issues that we could be facing, you know, just as 
just as Daniel said. So yeah, I think I think hope goes a long way. And I think if we if we feel like we're on the other side of something really dire, like a pandemic, um, we're more prepared to tackle those challenges. So so that's uh, a reason for optimism. I think um, the sort of strength of will and conviction, knowing that we survived 2020 and we are here on the other side and we can move forward. I think that does a lot for people to feel like, yeah, I'm ready. I can do it. I, I'm stronger than I thought. Right. And we, we learned a lot. We changed our some of our um, the ways that we do business together. Um, and I think that's for the better um, and, and will strengthen and empower us going forward. So, yeah, I don't know exactly what the headline story is, but um, it is my belief that in a kind of a, a, a large change, if you want to use the term revolutionary change, which many think that we're going through from 2020 to 2024 time horizon, we're in the thick of it. And it's going to take time to sort of tear down, deconstruct before you can build back up and reconstruct in, in a new light. And so I, unfortunately, I think we are in that. But like I said, being on the uphill side, seeing your way out, seeing the light, the hope, all of that is a, is a very empowering and encouraging thing. I think that's a great place to end it. Growth, change, and optimism. Thank you both for joining me today. I appreciate your time. Always. Yeah. Thanks.